0: everybody, welcome to Tangent Train. I am your host Josh, He's Garner. I'm not letting you say your name this time. Yeah! And, uh, yeah, welcome back to the show. So, uh, it's been a couple of weeks since we had an episode out, so I hope you've all been doing well, waiting on the edge of your seats to listen to us talk at you about all kinds of stupid shit. And today's stupid shit, I think you had something you wanted to bring
1: up. I do. Um, Visual novels are getting a lot more popular. They're essentially, in case you don't know, they're choose-your-own-adventure books that people
0: pass off as video games. Some of them, I think, like quite literally. Like, there's no animation... They're just, like, static pictures with, like, sliding cells of some anime character that just sort of shimmies into view whatever he's brought up. It's, it's, <laughs> like, the, it's like a convenient choose-your-own adventure where instead
1: of saying turn to page 73, it does it for you. Oh, yeah.
0: Oh. It's the new age.
1: It's the new age. <laughs> you don't have to turn. So, visual novels are becoming more and more popular. You probably don't think of um, these things as visual novels. Like, um, there's a popular game recently by Telltale Games, and frankly, most of the Telltale games are visual novels. Uh, Like, The Walking Dead, Wolf Among Us, Tales from the Borderlands, all of these games, they're effectively visual novels. Uh, There's another one we talked about recently, Life is Strange.
0: Yeah, and I would even say, like, uh, a little, slightly older title, um... Beyond Two Souls.
1: Uh, yeah, Beyond Two Souls, Heavy Rain, pretty much visual novels. Although I would argue that Heavy Rain was almost, almost a game. Just a game that was really easy,
0: so it was hard to tell. So perhaps we should establish, and, and I don't want to spend the whole episode on this because I know we could. Let's try to establish here, what is your qualifying factors going to for a game.
1: Okay, so... Yeah, this could easily be a whole episode. Let's just let's talk about games in general. Games take skill. Games have stakes. And that when you play a game, there are um, decision points. Right? Th- those are pretty much like the, the, the three things that I think of with a game. And the last one, and this is important, and a lot of people argue with me on this, is... You have to be able to lose
0: a game. Not just win, but lose. And it's an important distinction, because if you think of a game, um, you know, if you think of a title that you can play like, uh, say, Plants versus Zombies Endless Mode, you don't win Plants versus Zombies Endless Mode, you lose less.
1: Yeah, like you could get a really high score and that will feel like winning. You could get the highest score in the world and you'll feel like a winner. But the ultimate outcome of endless mode is eventually you fail. Right. So um, a lot of people argue with me about whether or not losing is critical. I think it is critical, but those are pretty much the four components. It takes skill you know, and that's, uh, you know, how much skill, that's up for debate, it's actually fairly subjective, stakes, and, um, decision decision points, points. and you gotta lose.
0: And I would like to clarify that, while I agree with a lot of Gunner's points, I don't know that I agree on total that this is what defines a quote-unquote game, and To add to the extra layers of confusion, we'll probably refer to games as not being games. Like, literally, we'll say this game is just a visual novel. (laughs) I I do it all the time. So, bear with our semantics here.
1: (laughs) You know, um, for what it's worth, you might just think, "Uh, that's extremely pedantic, nothing but semantics. Um, It does matter, though, whether or not something is a game. Um,
0: and and if you don't like pedantics and semantics, this might not be the podcast for you. Don't go away yet. <laughs> I want to change your mind about
1: semantics and pedantics. Give us a chance. Yes, it's not too late. <laughs> but no, I mean, you know, whether or not something's a game, uh, and especially if it's advertised as such, or like, oh yeah, this is a game. Um, why is it important? Well, just frankly, right? It you want to know what you're get, you're going in for. And that makes a big difference. It also means that um, some people want to think about like their outcomes. They want to display their skill or whatever, and they'll think they'll talk about something like I don't know, The Walking Dead, like it was this challenging game. Mm-hmm. And I think to myself, you know, there's no need to treat it as such when you know you're just exploring various outcomes, one of the things that emerges in games that doesn't in a visual novel, or in things that pretend to be games, like, think about like a puzzle. In a puzzle, you only, um, there's often just one outcome. Or just a few prescribed outcomes. But in games, there are emergent situations. Sometimes ones that might be unique just to you. Oh yeah. So, why do I bring this up? Because... I want to talk today about a visual novel slash game that I played called um, it's called VA-11 Hall-A. Most people just call it Valhalla. It is the cyberpunk waifu bartending game.
0: (laughs) Yes, literally. So, is it? Would you say it qualifies as dating sim? Which it, is where most of those usually line. It is not a dating sim. Oh.
1: Yeah. I was s- surprised considering it is literally advertised as a waifu game. Wow. Yeah. In fact... Um,
0: it's real dystopian. You can't date the waifus. <laughs>
1: <Yeah, you can. laughs> well, what's interesting is that your the character that you play as, the character's name is Jill, can end up in a relationship...
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And that is described by its achievement list as the bad ending. Oh, wow. So if Jill ends up in a sexual relationship with somebody, you have effectively lost the story. you huh. lost. Yeah. Um, and uh, I don't want to spoil it too much, but you pretty much have to, for what little game is in the game story thing, it, You if you purposely perform it poorly you will end up with that outcome oh I suppose you could be bad at it so I'm talking about this story game thing Valhalla because um I was asked recently to write a review about it and I'm really torn and I'm torn because I mostly like the story which took me 17 hours to get one set of endings I mean this is a this is a book I just yeah. I just did a, an episode on a book that was written by His Holiness the Dalai Lama, where he's shitting on capitalism.
0: Go watch Book Club. Yeah. Or book
1: Bash. Yeah, do the Book Bash. And that guy did a book in actually slightly less than six hours. This waifu bartending game took me 17 hours. My friend Brady, who gifted it to me, you loyal listeners know Brady. Oh, yeah.
0: From episode two.
1: Yeah. He... He gifted it to me, and it took him 17 hours as well. Wow. To get an ending. For what it's worth, Brady got the bad ending. <laughs> and supposedly, I
0: got the good ending. So Garner didn't get laid? No. <laughs> the bad. The good.
1: There was, there was a potential... Uh, of that occurring but they don't expressly say so
0: so that's in your fan fiction
1: it's in the fan fiction in fact there's a there's a part of it that makes me think that that's what they're purposely going for they know (laughs) what you want with waifu you don't want (laughs) someone telling you how to do your waifu (laughs) I don't know but um I actually mostly enjoyed it enjoyed it quite a bit up until I got to the ending Uh Uh-oh. And when I got to the ending, I was immediately like... And now I had to assess the game. I had to stand back from the game. I'm done. Um, Like most visual novels, though, I could play it again and try to go for all the achievements and see all the different storylines. I actually missed a decent amount of storylines. Turns out there's a hidden drink in the game. Whoa. Whoa which is pretty cool and if you serve the hidden drink to people it makes other people show up for other storylines Oh neat it's really neat another awesome aspect of the game is when you start it again um, the story it tells you um, how to get some of the endings you might have missed it just tells you straight up like oh you need to serve it will just ambiguous to say you need to serve a certain drink to the buff lady um, during this one scene Oh, and okay. you'll be like, okay. So they give you kind of like a hint right at the start how to maybe you miss some endings. Like they actually just tell you like if you know Jill doesn't pay all her bills, that's one way to get an ending.
0: Uh, okay.
1: I actually thought that was really cool, because you know, uh, we live in an age now where everything's just wikis, wikis, wikis. Yeah. Go online, you look for the answers, and the developers actually just included it in their game. They just said, Hey, if you want to explore this, here you go.
0: I like when some games use their achievements to do that. Yeah. And they tell you in the description, like, how to get said achievement so that you can go explore it and lo and behold, it it adds something.
1: Absolutely. I actually think achievements get a bad rep. Um, They are definitely uh, underutilized. Uh, Sometimes they're just kind of used as, like, in the game a lot. Yeah,
0: they're just stapled on for stapling's sake.
1: But a lot of achievements are really cool. They can add to the game, like make you play in a way that you might not have chosen to do unless told to. Yeah. And then you'll explore the game in a weird way you would have never thought of. So my topic about this waifu game is how the ending actually turned me off. I'm, you know, A friend of mine asked me to write this review, and I'm about to say... Eh, not recommend it. I don't recommend the the oh. game, and uh, I fl- I played through it for seventeen hours, and I actually feel like all the way up to like hour thirteen or so, I was enjoying it, and then the ending. When I step back to assess, I, I don't like it anymore, and I thought about the Mass Effect three controversy, Ooh. right? Yeah. People love Mass Effect. People are wearing, like, the hoodies with the white and red stripes. Uh They're Mass Effect this and that. And then that ending comes out, and people just freak out.
0: Choose your color.
1: Yeah, choose your color (laughs) ending. Um, Personally, I feel like what happened to Mass Effect is, like, partway through, the lead writer must have just left or something. I don't know the full story, but it just seemed to me that... um, the story that they were trying to set up, they um, they just lost touch of it. Like something got in the way. Yeah, they lost touch of what they were going for because they just they never really drove home like the the central theme. Right. Like in the first game, it almost seemed like the central theme was that humanity needed to prove itself, and that there was some sort of tension. But there was never any idea that the synthetics might be good, right? It's just, the synthetics are bad. They literally jab people onto pikes and turn them into zombies. Yeah, there's
0: usually not a lot of good that comes out of
1: that symbolism. Yeah, yeah, there's there's not much redeeming quality there. It's like, wow, you know what? They might have a point. They drive people onto pikes.
0: No, so. And hey, we don't celebrate the Romans for crucifying Jesus.
1: <laughs> yeah, you know,
0: <laughs> Something to
1: that, huh? So, you know, this, so this feeling where the ending, like, completely changes it. It's, uh, I haven't had have it to me too many times. Most of the time I finish something, I'm like, yeah, the ending was fitting. But what's interesting about my waifu game... The cyberpunk bartending is in this game. They set up a mystery very early on. Oh yeah. Yeah, the character you are nominally playing as is Jill, and Jill gets distracted, and Uh-oh. she can spend her bartending wages on just random stuff. And the game, if you will, when you're you're asked to mix drinks, and there's actually like a little drink mixing thing. Um, that people order and some of the people will order fairly cryptically They're just like hey can i get something sweet i want something cold and bitter Da da da. And your character has a menu and they can go and order these things when jill's distracted um when you go to open up the menu to like read the recipe for a like, cold and bitter thing you won't get any guides you actually just have to remember what the cold and bitter things are and go and find it go and find it do it but if you buy random stuff for Jill then she's not distracted okay so why did I bring this up she's actually so distracted that during the early scenes of the game when people are talking she'll just like blank out not um people will accuse her of just uh not responding Mm -hmm. and there's a vid screen in the bar and you'll see there's like a girl looking at her through the vid screen. Oh, weird. So it's mysterious, right? It's It's like, I want to know what's going on. What's going on with Jill? Okay. So they do this for, I don't know, almost 15 hours or something, maybe 14 hours of reading before they really start to drive home that there's something... Wrong with Jill.
0: So I've seen a few screenshots of this game, and I can tell it's it's all text dialogue. Uh-huh. Do they have any voice actors? There's no voice acting. Okay. No so, voice acting. It definitely drives at home. Is this an indie title?
1: It is indie. It's actually made by two dudes in Venezuela. Okay. And, uh, and if you are in Venezuela, I am sorry. Get out. <laughs> it's bad. Yeah. So uh hopefully these guys make enough sales i'm I'm hesitant to even put a negative review because frankly these guys um, need to get all the waifu sold and leave the country <laughs> <laughs> places like I read their blog just for kicks, and uh the two dudes who made the game. They actually, during the final production phases of the game, had to go through rolling blackouts where they had like four hours of power here, four hours of power there. Because Venezuela is going to hell and the media here in the West doesn't give a crap about that. They give a crap about like identity politics and fucking Islamic phobia and whatnot, while Venezuela just pretty much... Like, literally goes to hell, people firebombing each other in the streets and rationing food. Oh, jeez. So, if you're in Venezuela, I'm sorry. And uh, if you're into identity politics, just look up Venezuela sometime, because fuck identity
0: politics. There we go. Uh Uh-oh. There we go. Uh, Oh, boy.
1: I had to say it. I had to say it. I feel like that dominating the news coverage over people literally getting their food and power rationed...
0: Well, I mean... Have you, You've heard about the event in Florida, of course. Yes, and, the shootings. And freaking the media circus that has just gone full rampant about that. It, it just drives me up the wall. Like, the point is, is that a bunch of people died. It's not that, you know, we need to start using this to, like, martyr gun control or to shame, you know, freaking gender politics and stuff it's just like come on people died we had a crazy guy let's address crazy people (laughs) you know yeah it turns out there's a lot more crazy
1: people than there are all the other people in the venn diagram remember that book we did in the book bash by the way you should listen to book bash yeah okay so thinking fast and slow right they had the linda thing right and you have one category of people that are bankers you have one category of people that are feminists. And what are the odds that they're both a banker and a feminist, right? Well, it doesn't matter what the odds are. It's going to be less than the entire population of bankers. They all aren't feminists, right? Otherwise, they wouldn't be a Venn diagram. Right. All right? And all the feminists aren't bankers. So the, the intersection of bankers and feminists is the minority. Smallest. The minority, right? So, uh, let me tell you something here, right? Like, um, when you take, like, the entire envelope uh, crazy,
0: yeah,
1: right? Um, you know, it doesn't happen to envelop all of Islam or, I don't know, the NRA or whatever. Yeah. But you know what it does tend to have a lot of? It tends to have a very high proportion of, you know, dangerous murders. Yeah, violence. <laughs> violence, <laughs> right? So, people focus, like, on all these other... Dangers. All these
0: other tertiaries. Yeah. You know?
1: All these other... Crazy
0: people and guns. So we need to deal with the guns. Yeah, crazy people. To, to take people. out that small little blip of crazy people overlap. Yeah.
1: Crazy people in their Islam. Crazy people in their gay hate.
0: Let me tell you. Because I'll tell you what, that guy who really hates gay people and wants to go kill a bunch of gay people, if he doesn't have guns he'll just be like, oh darn. I can't murder gays.
1: (laughs) Right, yeah. I'm sure that's exactly what he'll think. Yeah. The point is, right, if you didn't listen to the Book Bash listeners, just When you think about it, right, like the largest category should be the one focused on. Yeah. And uh, it's the craziest. Uh (laughs) Right? And uh, mental health is a serious issue um, across the world. However, however, while I think mental health is really important, again, that's, you know, the guys who made this video game that I'm talking about today with my first world problems of the, oh, my, my news feeds are full of the bad politics. Um, th- those guys are literally making games on rolling blackouts for months.
0: Right. As half of their city is on fire.
1: <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> they're having a shitty day. They're like, is there enough food to buy? Yeah. Carton of eggs, $120. Thank you.
0: <laughs> right.
1: So, anyways. Those are the guys. They uh, they come from Venezuela. Well. They're two indie dudes. And they made this waifu game. It was really interesting because um, a lot of the writing, um, most of the characters are chicks. A lot of the writing actually seems to be from a feminine perspective, actually. Hmm. Uh, but it's made by two dudes. Cool. So that was actually really interesting. Um, actually, while I was doing it, I actually had completely convinced myself that a pair of lesbians had written the entire thing. And then it was Two Dudes. I was like, wow. Two dudes that identify as lesbians. (laughs) (laughs) Two dudes. Yeah, Two Dudes who identify as lesbians. (laughs) Maybe that's what it is. I don't know. The game or book, 17-hour book, um, with no voice acting and all that, it actually qualifies... um, It has a lot of really crude humor. Uh, Just for example, there is a robot, uh, like an android, if you will, who has the body of a 13-year-old girl in a s- Japanese school school uniform. Okay. But she's actually, like, mentally the age of 24 and hasn't upgraded into an adult body because she's a sex worker. Ew. Yeah. And she comes to the bar and gets drinks and then talks about you know, the things that she needs to do, like her weird problems of trying to attract clients. As an underage robot. As a robot that purposely makes themselves look like a little girl. Yikes. Yeah, and there's just weird stories. I'll just give an example. There's a character early on who's like a total um, jerk to the main character, and he explains that he pays a gal every year... ...to be his daughter for a day. And uh, and then later it's revealed to be the android. Oh, jeez. <laughs> and then the android guy's just like... ...yeah, it's been a few years now... ...and every year I think he's just eventually going to force me onto the floor... ...and have his way... ...but he never does. <laughs> <laughs> this is what this game's like. It's this bizarre story... And it has all these weird things that are happening. The, a lot of the characters are just very mysterious. Um, there's the, the bark. Go ahead.
0: Oh, I was just going to say, I mean, to the writer's credit, I guess, I've heard of, like, uh, there's this famous brothel in Vegas, or Nevada, rather, that, um, called, like, the Bunny Ranch. And I had heard some radio interviews with some of the workers there and that some of the clients will just pay for time. Like yeah. no sexual activity. They just want to go out and pretend to be boyfriend-girlfriend for like 3-4 hours. Like maybe once a month. <laughs> you know, they'll just fly into Nevada and go on a date with this person they're paying to go on a date with.
1: It must be expensive, because if you think about it, right, like, okay, I mean, I'm not a sex worker, because I'm actually a fat-bearded guy. Yeah. But if you're, when you you think about, like, how you're doing things, right, so let's say it takes you an hour to make a burger, right, well, you got to sell that burger as if it's an hour of your time. Yeah. But if you can make six burgers over an hour, well, you can sell all six of them as an hour of your time. Oh. Okay, so if you're a sex worker, right, and you can give, I don't know six tricks over an hour well you gotta treat an hour going out with someone as worth yeah close to six tricks yeah so it must be really expensive for a dude to just go on a date with a hot chick
0: well not to mention you know like a normal date you are also paying for the food the activity probably the travel right because she's there <laughs> to make money right and then you're paying her for her time as well is to hang out and say nice things to you. But yeah. Dystopia's real, man. Yeah, dystopia's real. <laughs> What's interesting
1: is the robot's problems are like trying to figure out how to get clients to actually approach her and things like that. She's so is, be-
0: is this thing like an actual robot or is it just like a, a metal jacket for a meat brain? She,
1: she... I mean, it looks like a little girl. But um, apparently it is a full android. Just okay. completely a machine.
0: Weird.
1: Yeah, it was pretty weird. But the, I guess the way they design the machines is they design them so that they have... Um, so their minds develop.
0: They're adaptive.
1: Yeah. They develop pretty quickly, but they have a, uh, a developing mind. And they're actually given like certain base instincts. They're given essentially a random seed, so they have a personality. Huh. So... So the so all these things you learn while playing the game, and the game, the story is just essentially the slice of life story where you meet all these weird characters, right? But over time, you keep seeing like weird things happen, like the the gal on the screen, yeah, or your character's freaking out, or there's this mystery about the characters. But the ending, the ending was more or less, the mystery actually wasn't a critical piece of the plot. Oh, damn. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. like, I couldn't believe it. Like I actually couldn't believe it. Um, <laughs> the, the mystery was not actually that important. And I had actually gotten the special sequence to explain the mystery a little bit.
0: So, do you know about how many endings to this game there are?
1: There... I think they want to say there's, like, seven or eight, but you can get multiple endings at once. Oh. So I actually got
0: four, four or five, okay. all at one time. Huh. So um, a little bit kind of Fallout 3-esque.
1: Yeah. That game had two endings.
0: Yeah, but there was all these tertiary additions to the ending, based right. on the quest you did. The epilogue. Right. Um, so... Have you investigated what the other endings are that you missed yet?
1: I have looked into them, and uh,
0: not worth the replay.
1: It just doesn't. It doesn't really uh, do it for me because I'll I tell you what. And I normally not like this. I normally don't watch something and be like, I gotta know the mystery. You know, like a show like Lost doesn't do it for me. Right. I'll tell you what, a large part of re- why I made sure to play through the game is I had uh, two obligations. I had one, someone purchased the game for me, a friend of mine, and so obviously they wanted me to experience it. Yeah. And then another person um, shortly afterwards asked me to write a review about the game. Okay. So I'm going to finish it, right? So um, I sort of powered through in the end. But um, I, I, just, I sort of feel like the when I looked at these other endings... They were just more of slice of life. The yeah. whole story was actually just a segment of there's cyberpunk waifus who have problems and you serve <laughs> them drinks and then you see their each of their individual enveloping stories and then they go about their lives how bizarre it's it is so weird it was funny at times and that's why the next thing I want to talk about and I want to know your opinion on this okay. The game had a lot of humor, a lot of humor, that was utilizing the memes we know today. Ooh. So, so for example, um, the police force in Glitch City, which is where all the action takes place, are the White Knights. If you've been on the internet, you know who the White Knights are. You know
0: what I'm talking about, right? you like, oh you yeah. Don't look up the definition on Urban Dictionary. Yeah, Urban Dictionary is the best place for defining memes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but you know, like some guy will defend some, you know, um, cam girl. Yeah, and then they'll say, oh yeah, that guy's just being totally a white knight for her. Yeah, right? and uh, just you know, being a good guy. But the police in the setting are the white knights. And um, or just just take for example, Jill goes to this website called Danger slash U, which is actually just sort of like this weird inversion of Reddit. But all the text is like 4chan where everyone calls each other Anons and Anonymous. Uh. And the, the the switcheroo is that on Danger You everyone is a woman and when one guy actually goes there for advice and says he's a dude, all of the users accuse him of not being a dude because there's no dudes on the internet. What? Yeah. <laughs> so that it's using like memes today, memes that to me, um, looking at it, I'm like, okay, I'm not even, I don't even feel that deeply seeped in this culture, right? I, I don't got, I don't even got a Facebook, yo. Yeah. And uh,
0: you are the the. Ninja Ghost of the Internet. The Ninja Ghost of the Internet.
1: And I thought about it. I was like, okay, visual novels are pretty popular amongst people mm-hmm. who, um, let's just frankly say, you know, like older women in their 30s and 40s, they <laughs> love them visual novels and like shipping people. That's right.
0: <laughs>
1: I like to ship them.
0: Don't believe me? Go to DeviantArt.
1: <laughs> so so they they have the strong female audience and they like to ship people and they may not actually be versed in all this internet culture. Right. And so the thing I want to ask you about is, what do you think about them making a story, making a game like 17 hours long just for one ending. One where you don't necessarily ship people. hmm And where the story in the premise of the game is so timely. It's like...
0: A few years from now, no one may get the jokes. Yeah, I, I've, I'll i tell you what. As a, a guy who creates content, you know, I've dabbled in web comics. Um, you know, I've dipped my toes in the waters of YouTube. And I'm now doing podcasting. You know, and I don't know how long I might do that, but the intention is to do it for a while. Um I have to ask myself, like, when I'm creating content, uh, whatever medium that comes through, um, you kind of have to consider, like, the timely references. Like, think about the show Family Guy. Show's really popular. It is... It's almost 80% to 90% of its humor model is simply referencing popular culture. Whoa. Yeah.
1: Okay, I need to watch more TV, I
0: guess. And, like... You know, like, if even today, if you were to go back and watch, introduce a 12-year-old to season one of Family Guy, I bet you they don't get half the jokes.
1: Right. right. That's what I'm saying. It's just like is it wise or is, is it a good thing for someone to just make something that's super timely
0: but like the Simpsons while they include a lot of popular culture and like celebrity guests and shit like no one's gonna know you know Conan O'Brien in 50 years or right. probably not I mean maybe he'll be a robot by then but um you know people aren't there's still a lot of basic humor in there that's going to be relatable. You know, the two siblings fighting, the dopey father. You know, those are things that that uh, can kind of transcend the era.
1: Right. They could actually make the art timeless. And I think this brings us into a, a recent debate about video games. They're like, are video games art or can they be art? And, uh, and it just kind of segues into that. I'm in the firm yes camp. Yeah, the firm yes camp. And I look at this game and I think, okay, when we judge art, right, we think, man, that art was timeless. Right? It wasn't just a fad. Um, and when I think about this game, story, visual novel, it, it seems to be just constructed around a fad. And no. I'm like, so does that make it good or
0: not? I mean, there's different ways to look at it. You know, good, of course, is subjective. Sure. Um, it's probably good for them because the timely references, the, the simpler medium, and the basic attractions, like the core theming attractions they're using, like waifu, cyberpunk, um, that sort of thing, will probably generate them decent attention for now, you know? I mean, here we are talking about it on a podcast, and yet, you know, you listen to this show next year, and you might be like, "What? What is this?" Yeah, what, what is this about? Cyberpunk- Why are spending a whole episode talking about some two-dollar Steam game? You know, it's actually a fifteen-dollar visual novel. And next year it'll be two. And next year it'll be two. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Next year and, uh, it'll be two dollars. And so. Um, so it'll be a good leaping point for them, you know. It sounds to me, I'm like the way you're describing what they've done versus the ending, I'm wondering if they didn't simply just start to run out of time, like they just needed to wrap it up. Yeah, apparently so, they've been working on it for two years. And so they probably just capped it and didn't follow through on the mystery. Yeah, because you know? there's certainly been a lot of shows that done that. I mean, you mentioned Lost. Lost had to do that hard. Like, one of their seasons lost a ton of viewers because a significant writer strike was going on in Hollywood, and it affected a lot of shows, but then they were one of them. Like, the season was, like, half as long as it should have been, and it wrapped up with, like, a really cheesy cliffhanger and then got delayed before they could pick it back up and try to do the second half of the season wow, and clean okay. up their mess you know <laughs> yeah whereas like a show that was also popular at the time Heroes didn't survive that yeah. show failed because of the Rider Strike which was their season two even though they tried to hang on for like three more seasons it, everybody like agreed that it just fell apart after that workers of the world unite right okay <laughs>
1: <laughs> so I I don't know like I I feel like that's probably what happened, but it just felt weird because they tried to wrap it up and there was a little bit of an explanation, but it just really didn't tie strongly into the ending. And I felt like if you weren't there to ship and you didn't know you were getting in for like the dank memes. Right then you were there because there was a bizarre mystery. There's, like, every so often your character's freaking out.
0: Right, and I think, I think that is, like, the hinging point for the success fail, you know? If you were in there to either... If you were attracted because you thought it was a dating game, oops. Yeah. You know, if you were there because you wanted some clever writing, well, maybe you got some clever writing. If you wanted, um... That mystery twist on the story, oops again. Yep. So on, on a whole, it sounds like this was kind of a swing and miss.
1: Yeah, it's it's why I feel reluctant, even though I've actually had a good time. I mean, they're genuinely, the game made me laugh out loud many times. Some of the jokes were funny. One of my favorite pairs of characters, there was a character in it called, um, oh gosh... Of course, now I can't remember. Oh, no. (laughs) There's two characters. (laughs) One's a veterinarian. Okay. She's this this really mean, super blunt vet, and she comes in with a robot. And she'll come in together. And I keep wanting to say her name was Betty, but I know it's not Betty, because spoilers. Um... (laughs) (laughs) But she she has this thing, and at one point they make a joke about how the robot accuses her and says, you know, what really troubles me about her is that she knows how to waterboard someone. Oh. Right? And uh, and the girl says, hey, whoa, you know, I learned that in the Girl Scouts. And I also learned how to skin a deer. No one is freaking out about that. Yeah. And I actually laughed at that. I was just like, what? <laughs> you learned how to waterboard in the Girl Scouts? Yeah. What happened to just selling cookies, lady? And I actually thought some of that stuff was really funny. Yeah. Um and there was just some weird jokes like um, they managed to make like um, talking dogs. Like there's like a there's a Shiba dog. Oh, you know, funny. like the Doga meme. And yeah. he he comes in and he, he he's wearing glasses and he's got a Hawaiian shirt. And uh, he's he's one of the part time employees. Mm-hmm. And whenever they ask him to do anything, he just says, Sir, yes, sir. And then he does nothing. <laughs> <laughs> he just does nothing. <laughs> like people accuse him of like oh, now you do the thing. And he says, Sir, yes, sir. And he's just this bizarre doge. And uh Doge. Yeah, the doge meme. But for, for our listeners, it those are Japanese syllables. The Japanese speak in a language where they they Construct all their sentences out of just small syllables. Uh-oh.
0: And it's do, and ge. It's doge. I don't want to. I don't want to work culturally appropriate, though. So I'm gonna use do. Oh, you
1: like? Wow. And if you don't think it's Japanese, I mean, the Shiba dog. It's a Japanese <laughs> breed. Okay. Yeah. So there we go. Um, yeah. So, so it's, it's doge.
0: Bird. Yeah, it's doge. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> this reminds me of that, like, GIF, GIF thing. PBS Idea has now had two episodes about that. What? The Idea Channel. I believe they have had two episodes about the GIF argument. I thought the president came down on that. Not just the president, the creator. Yes. Of the thing. is like, this is how I say it. <laughs> yeah, I think he purposely pronounces it GIF, yeah. right? It is a very interesting debate. Yeah. Um, Speaking of, though, uh, you wanted to talk about game art Mm. to bring it back around. And um, Idea Channel actually just did an episode about artificial intelligence creating art. And he asks, you know, he, he starts off the episode about, you know, tackling that big question, what is art? And he brings up some good points that I can kind of agree with as an artist. That art, you know, artists don't necessarily make art. They make works. You know, they work at their craft. And it's the audience that determines art.
1: Mm. That art
0: doesn't exist without an audience. And so, kind of from that perspective, I feel that games can be art because of the way the audience interacts with it.
1: Sure, I mean I'm going to go with this because games always have an audience. Right. Like they always have an audience. It's not quite the same. Like if I go and um, let's say I rivet together two pieces of aluminum
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, you know I could say that it was artfully done and that you know my work is a piece of art but it's it's not really. Like, nobody's coming to,
0: to... Not until your co-worker says, man, that was a piece of art, guy." Yeah. Then you're like, hey, I'm an artist now.
1: <laughs> I mean, I'll tell I've you what. It. There are these guys, they call them um, Airplane on the Ground Crew at Boeing, and... That's um,
0: a f- fancy name.
1: Yeah, that's a fancy name. We call them AOG <laughs> at work, right? The AOG crew. And I have seen some AOG guys work, and... Um, yeah, sometimes you know, the new guys do just stand by and watch them do it um, because they're that good. Damn. <laughs> they they're just come up and do the thing. So there is, there is a little bit of truth to um, it's not
0: art without an audience. Kind of makes you wonder though, right? I mean, consider that now let's, let's apply this to my career. My career is often considered to be artistic in nature because it's entirely dealing with aesthetics landscaping isn't about plants, people. It's about aesthetics. Sure. I mean, when you consider that the general definition of a weed is a plant out of place. Actually, I have heard my bosses apply the term weed to anything in a landscape out of place. Like, that rock shouldn't be there. That rock is a weed. Oh. Remove the weed. (laughs) You know, um... But dealing with aesthetics I haven't really had a lot of people say you know this is a really nice work of art you know I I just made a plant that wants to grow in its natural organic shape conform to a box and people are like yep that's how it's supposed to be
1: I, I I know you probably aren't doing this, but there's like a sick engineering mind here being like, and then he shaved the plants so that it conformed to the golden ratio. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. No, not quite the golden ratio. <laughs> I'm just saying... <laughs> You know, but I still I, have
0: to work with nature. I can't work quite against it that hard. Like, Then the plant dies. <laughs> like,
1: You will be a nice little rectangle like the Greeks determined. I'm not pulling out my compass, y'all. <laughs> like measuring it. But like, now it conforms. <laughs> I'll tell you what. like, then you'd be an artist. That's a work of art right there.
0: There have been some sites where I've seen guys hedge like this one particular popular plant called a boxwood and they'll just make that thing look like a sheen like a smoothly sheened bubble and i'm just like how the hell did you pull that off <laughs> in a timely manner too because landscaping is not just
1: chilling out
0: well and it's not just the skill of hedging the plant they manage to keep the plant healthy enough to not have dieback or thin spots like the plant is filled in enough and then was manicured into this nicely lifted bubble on some warehouse's front yard, you know. Oh, man. You
1: know, Just to tie this back into our earlier conversation about the games. Yeah. What's a game? Okay, so he- hear me out, audience. So I said, in my opinion, a game takes skill, stakes, decision points, and you can lose. Yeah. Is art a game?
0: Oh. Oh, shit. <laughs>
1: is art the game
0: right like if what you... is the i think i think your hang up might be at stakes it's the stakes yeah there's no stakes but it's very close it's very and, bizarre and maybe the lose condition because if we agree that art is defined by an audience's opinion that it is art to not be art isn't to lose you simply are or aren't
1: Right, I mean, because you can
0: have bad art
1: so long as you have an audience.
0: Oh, yeah. You, 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 people can yeah, be like, it Yeah, I guess people sucks. do say it's art, but it's just shitty.
1: Yeah. You can, you can have So uh, I
0: guess that is a loose man.
1: What's interesting about this whole audience argument is if you're just like that guy doodling in a book and drawing your waifus, yeah. you know who you are. Fuckers. Um, I mean, you draw girls, good for you. Yep. So they draw girls in their little notepad, and uh, maybe no one sees it, except yeah. for just like a few other people. But most of us would
0: call that art. Yeah. But you, I mean, you call it art, but it's almost like that weird metaphysical: does it exist if you don't see it? When you're not <laughs> observing it, <laughs> it's the Schwartniggers' art. <laughs> You know, well, it needs to come out of the box. It's like...
1: <laughs> what, what makes you wonder about this is like, okay, so my riveting is clearly not art, and most of us would agree, but um, the the, ga- the guy in his uh, waifu drawings and his little notepad for between classes, that guy's art actually has the potential
0: to have an audience. Yeah, I mean, I guess technically it's... You know, the medium is well recognized as being an artistic expression. Right.
1: So I'm saying. It's, it's, it's so nebulous. So, just tying it back into this bartending game, right? I feel like it, because it relies so heavily on dank memes, and, it, it, you know, I keep joking. I keep saying this, by the way yeah. dank memes. Dank memes is just how the culture is now. Right. Like, even the word dank. The heck! That's only a couple of years old. It's only a couple years old. I mean, it, future listener, you know, after Mr. Man here hits it off hard five years from now, <laughs> and you, you're just now hitting his backlog, you let me know is dank memes
0: still the the thing? Is that something you know your your uh, really old older brother used to say that makes you cringe?
1: Yeah. Does he <laughs> <you> say shreked? <laughs> What the, man, that guy got shwrecked.
0: I mean, the word meme, I mean, you you and I are old enough to have been around before the word meme. Well, before it was popularly used. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's not to say that what qualifies as meme didn't exist. Well, I mean. We called them chain letters. Chain letters. (laughs) We would literally send emails to all of our friends, oh, check out this stupid thing.
1: To me, the, the meme that I remember first started to, like, hit me um, when I was young, before the internet was super hardcore, was um, the one that started in early gaming circles, and it was interesting because it was already a meme on its own without the gaming. It was owned. He owned him. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, man, you got owned, son. And it was... I remember I was just like a kid, and I was like, owned? What do you mean Owned. I like, I just didn't get it. Yeah. And then it got subverted. It was
0: pwned. Which was popularized, if I remember correctly, due to the common misspelling. Yeah. Because they- P and O are next to each other on a keyboard, and when stupid nerdchild is trying to type quickly that he just owned a guy, he'd misspell it. Yeah. And then that somehow became acceptable. And and funny, even. Yeah.
1: What's crazy is in my own lifetime, I've watched Owned pretty much fall out of the vernacular.
0: At about the same time was Teh.
1: Yeah, Teh.
0: As a a, uh, misspelling of The.
1: And so, you know, so these things are just dying, right? So, like, I'm talking right now about how the game, like, exists on the dank memes. Yeah. And I I actually kind of wonder, like, what would this game have looked like if it was produced... 10 years ago. Yeah. Right? It seems very timely. And so I guess, um, in a way, what I was trying to hit you up on is, like, do you think people should produce ultra-timely, not timeless, not at all timeless things like this?
0: Um, yeah, actually. Okay. And part of the reason is, you know, other than the fact that the internet has made it very clear that, you know, if you're one in 10,000, there's 2 million of you out there you know? Yeah. <laughs> two million is a pretty decent audience. There's a lot of YouTubers that could buy on two million subscribers just fine. <laughs> you know? But at the same time, I also think that there is something to be said about that sort of timestamp. stamp. Um, to go back a little bit, when I brought up the difference between Family Guy and The Simpsons, mm-hmm. there are actually college classes that use The Simpsons as a reference of 90s culture. Wow. It is like a textbook depiction of 90s culture. Oh, man.
1: I am a big nerd who hangs out on a historian forum.
0: Uh-huh.
1: And recently, there was a discussion about whether or not the Simpsons actually made it so that um, Francophobia, so pretty much hating on French people, yeah, is largely the result of the Simpsons. Oh, wow. Yeah. Because I said a lot of the Simpson, there was quite a bit of Simpsons jokes about um, the French always surrendered. Oh, yeah, interesting. And so there's there was a little bit of debate on the the forum about whether or not uh, the Simpsons could have been the root cause of the meme that the French always surrendered. Because frankly, if you look at the history of the French, they are complete badasses. They had to like exile Napoleon twice.
0: Don't they hold like the country rev- record for revolutions or damn yeah. it close?
1: <laughs> like, like they have a reputation for actually like killing. You ever heard of the French Foreign Legion? It's like <laughs> it's like where they take a bunch of criminals and be like, "Your name is now Marcel," yeah, and it will be Marcel so long as you serve faithfully for France. Okay, these are badasses. So the whole like, oh, the French always surrender meme, you know. Doesn't quite line up with history. Doesn't quite line up with history, right? But what if it was the Simpsons?
0: (laughs) (laughs) I could totally see it. I mean, so my point here is that, you know, not only could it be just a capture of culture, but it could also be a criticism. Okay. You know, it could be like a criticism on, or viewed as a criticism of the culture norm. You know? I mean, here you have this bizarre cyber dystopian setting and it's full of memes yeah there's sort of a juxtapositioning going on here you know (laughs) it was actually really
1: bizarre um sometimes i actually felt that the writers are actually trying to critique and throw in the face of the people who love internet culture like just throw it in their face and just be like you people are this is the end result. This is what a society built around your taste looks like. Yeah, and uh, and yeah, it was strangely dystopian in its own way. There was a character in a game called Streaming Chan, uh-huh. <laughs> and, and Streaming Chan actually shows up, and she's just got like this endless stream of Twitch chat flying by as she talks. She just does nothing but crazy things to get the Twitch viewers. She's uh-huh. got premium time where they can watch her in the shower. Oh, jeez. And she's constantly saying, you know, and just sign up for my premium time and that will be in a bit. And the, and the Twitch chat on the thing on the screen is like talking about, when's premium time? Oh, you know, how do I sub? Damn. And it was really bizarre about like, you know, the end results of that so anyways so my overall review of the game is like I'm torn I feel like I'm not gonna recommend it because I first off I just don't think that a lot of people are going to buy it from think memes right
0: uh, um, they certainly don't seem to be advertising it from that point
1: yeah it's it's not like strictly like you're buying it because you want us to satire and I think modern
0: culture um, it's so gross to say but I think memes is a tag on Steam what yeah check it out. Maybe I need to tag the game.
1: Yeah. So, but I don't think a lot of people are buying it for that. No. And and they and while it's actually very interesting, and I found it very funny. Um, in the end, I just sort of felt like so. I mean, I literally just when it was all over, I was like, "Wow, that was that was bizarre, right?" Yeah. And it actually ha- did have a um, kind of a moving story in the middle of it, though, about forgiveness. The main character actually did something in the past, and I don't want to spoil it in case you get the game, people, because the writing is actually pretty funny and Yeah, we don't
0: spoil everything on this show. Yeah. Just a lot of things. Yeah, we just completely (laughs) slay it. But if you
1: pick up the game Valhalla, um, the waifu bartending game, there is some decent writing. I actually did enjoy my time up until the end, and it but I but it's like I just I woke up that's what the ending felt like it was like and that happened what have I done (laughs)
0: yeah (laughs) well um, we are kind of getting to the time it is time how do we want to wrap it up
1: well I guess I I, I guess what I want to say to people is so what do you think about my definition of games
0: or art, or art—my definition of art.
1: Yeah. What do you think about that? And um, and then also, uh, do you feel for the people of Venezuela? Do you think that they're not getting any coverage? And do you think I? Do you think that my uh, hate for the quote-unquote identity politics is warranted?
0: And it should be clarified that he doesn't hate people. With identities, you know. You can't have an identity. No, I mean, like, it doesn't doesn't hate on people who have, you know, quote-unquote alternative identities. It's just some of the politics here in in Washington or America, they get a little out of hand. Well, I feel like it's a difference of priorities.
1: Personally, right, you know, I don't want to get anyone pissed off, so, you know, just do what you need to do. Yeah. Right? You know, that's your thing. I just sort of feel like, though, when there are people actually out there suffering, like these poor Venezuelan dudes just trying to scrap by for ramen noodles and $120 baskets of eggs, you know, do you think that my my sort of being like, is this really newsworthy? Am I right? Or, heck, you know, I need to shut it and enjoy it.
0: <laughs> All right, people. Well, thank you so much for listening to this episode of Tangent Train. I hope you enjoyed. And join us next time we'll see you. Right? Wafers. Absolutely. Everybody needs a life for <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. Please feel free to leave a comment telling us what you think about the show. Or if you have a topic you want to hear us cover, you can tell us that too. Sound effects were provided by Rock Savage and Elijah Yunnick. Music for the show is provided by Ben Sound. If you like Tangent Train, why not tell your friends about us? That really does help. Thanks.